Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers and this is Popcorn where we tell you what's happening at the movies and there's a great movie for you to see right now called Richard Jewell. It's based on a true story, but my guest today, Kathy Bates, who you know from so many things. I could mention them, but then the show would be over because she has too many credits, too many awards. But she plays the title character's mother in this and she will break your heart six ways from Sunday. But today we're going to be having fun, aren't we? Yes, Captain? absolutely. So welcome to the Thank show. You, the first time you've done this, popcorn's yours. I, yeah, you can well, take it. No, <laughs> no, no. I've lost sixty pounds and managed to keep it off the last three years. So I've been pretty so strict none of with this. myself. Well, that popcorn's pretty okay, I think. I'm you know? sure it, it is. is. I did look it's delicious. Like, okay, and we're smelling it, and yes, it's just know. made. Wait, Peter, stop! But stop! <laughs> stop doing this to me. So you've just got, of course. All the awards that you have, now you have a new nomination as Best Supporting Actress for Richard Jewell. For me, the, the best award for this movie has been the fact that Bobby Jewell, Richard's mom, uh-huh. who's still alive, uh, loves the movie. Well, that, that's good, me, because if she didn't... Oh, I know. Gosh. Because in the movie, you know how mad she got at Tom Brokaw. I know, so. I know, I know. We don't want her to be getting mad. No, but. and also, um, you know, there have been... Um, Statues in Centennial Park to Andrew mm-hmm. Young and Billy Payne, who brought the Olympics to Atlanta. And finally, there's going to be a plaque with Richard's name and what he did and how he saved Oh, well, that's lives. a good thing. Yeah. We should set that up, or you should. Why should I work? <laughs> I <laughs> want to be there. Be there, really. Yeah, yeah. That's it. No, Richard Jewell, that's the name of the movie. Clint Eastwood directed it. But a true story, can you tell us a little about Richard to just... Absolutely. Um, Richard uh, had been a, a cop for a few years and then um, resigned or was fired, depending on you know how you look at it. And then he went to become a guard at, at um, a co- college nearby, and he got let go. The, the thing with Richard that I found so tragic about this whole story is that he was this hyper-vigilant person ever since he was a kid. At nine he loved years, the police, didn't he? He loved the police, moved. and even as a kid in church, he wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And even in church, he would run around and make sure everybody had a program. And then later on, when he was a cop, he carried like a 130-pound you know, battering ram, but he also had beanie babies for the kids who he might find who had been in accidents so he could give him. He was mm-hmm. just this generous, simple, humble, kind man who wanted to help everybody. And it was that vigilance that um, helped him in his job. He was hired to be a security guy for the Olympics. They were calling everybody in. And he was at the Sound and Light Tower. And he'd gone off to the restroom and he came back and there was a bench there. And he noticed right away there was what they call an Alice pack, this big military pack that underneath the suspicious bench. Suspicious pack. Very suspicious. Yeah. And so he told the GBI, he said, I don't like that. And they said, oh, come on, Richard. He said, no, no, I have a bad feeling. And they, so they brought in the bomb guys. And he described it that the, the guy went underneath and looked at it. And then he just froze and he just backed very slowly out. And he told his buddy to turn his cell phone off. And they tried to get everybody back, as many people back, but through a series of mishaps and 911 calls and not being able to get in touch with people, Eric Rudolph, who actually planted the bomb mm-hmm. and was not caught until like six years later, mm-hmm. um, had this phone message, um, you know, there's going to be a bomb in Centennial Park in mm-hmm. 30 minutes. 
And thanks to Richard, he got all the guys out of the tower. He was running up and down. He was doing everything he, was he doing could do everything. to make that happen. And suddenly he became this hero, you know, and then... For three days. For three days. Yeah. And his mother was all, got that three days that's to be you. proud. Yeah. yeah. My mom, his mom. He's on TV. He's on... He's, that's right. Mm-hmm. He's on TV. He's the hero of the day. CNN wanted to talk to him. And what turned out was there was a leak from the FBI to Kathy Scruggs at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and they decided to break the story. And overnight, they everybody turned against him and said he was the uh, he was the guy. He was Except the Mama. Except Mama. She was there for him. She was. They were very very close. She had two miscarriages, and Richard was her only child. Mm. And um, both his real dad and his step stepdad banished from their lives for various reasons and uh, so he was her child her Mm -hmm. boy you know and she knows she knows how he can be overzealous yes she knows the things that he shouldn't be doing he trusts the police so much too much that it's it cost him yeah they used this is what was so cruel and i remember when i started out working with clint we were all there to meet with him and i said why do you want to do this movie and he said, because I think it's an American tragedy. And he said, this is a story that people need to see. John Hamm was down in Atlanta. And people mm-hmm. said, well, what are you doing down here? And he said, oh, it's about the bombing. And he said, oh, yeah, that guy Richard Jewell, who was the bomber. They still say still. he's the bomber. Which can happen to you, you know, because there's oh, yeah. some suspicion that's a... Uh, and for 88 with days, you. without any evidence, people camped out, you know, media... The FBI suspected him. Even when they brought him in for his first interview, they already had a cell for him. Yeah, we like him for this. That's what they always say. Yeah, we you know, like because him. the public, everybody's demanding to know who did this. There's that desire to get somebody up there and say he did it. Well, there were millions and millions of dollars yeah. resting on this because of the Olympics. Yeah, and they had to get it solved. You should say it's 1996. 1996. That's when this is happening. So we weren't even in the big cell phone period of the world. Everything was just taking off. And don't forget, we'd had Waco, the federal building. We had Ruby Ridge. We had 93 uh, truck bomb Mm -hmm. and World Trade Center. So it was the beginning of the new normal, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, of this terrorism. And it's that going, that's that seesaw from we love you (laughs) to stay away from us. Yeah, I think that the real tragedy, and I'm sure that this is what Bobby felt, is that the very quality that enabled him to find that bomb, his vigilance, they turned that into a liability mm-hmm. and they beat him up with it. That to me, I think, is, is just the tragedy of all exactly. of it. Well, one amazing scene that you have among Rennie in this is when Bobby went on national TV making a plea to President Clinton at the time Yes. to see what's happening and do something for a son. Yes. So let's look a little bit at that. Okay. My son is innocent. Richard is not the Olympic Park bomber. He saved people's lives. Please hear me, Mr. President, and help me. My son is a hero. If they do not intend to charge my son, please tell us. Please tell the world. Mr. President, please.
please clear my son's name. It's heartbreaking. It is, isn't it? It really is. I don't know how many times you had to do that. Uh, Well, actually, we got it in the first take. Wow, that's so Clint Eastwood. It is. It really is. He wants it fresh and real. (laughs) Whenever I've been on a set of his... It's always, let's move on. No, but you know, people say that. They do say it. I just They did. do, but I know. You could just take they me to They always think for that. it's going to be quick, quick, yeah. quick, but it's not that. He takes his time mm-hmm. and he leaves it open, and it's so efficient that he doesn't need to do more than a couple of takes. Is this your first time with Clint Eastwood? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what was that like? Well, I was a nervous wreck. Really? I was a nervous wreck at first, I, and I think we all were uh, because we all wanted to just. I mean, we all want to do our best all the time. Mm-hmm. But when you're with someone like Clint or Mike Nichols, it just, you, you really, and, and I think we also felt a real responsibility to Bobby. She survived, of course. She's still alive. Mm-hmm. And Richard passed away 10 years later. He mm-hmm. was 33 oh. when this happened. And um, he got some money uh, from CNN and NBC, you know, uh, they sued them, and but the Atlanta Journal-Constitution never accepted responsibility for it. And the real FBI guy, who's played by John Hamm, mm-hmm. went to his grave saying, this guy did it. Yeah, we see that scene in the movie where he says, I still think he yeah. did it. I, even when somebody else has confessed to I know. doing it. I know. You know. That's the kind of thing. Well, it's a movie that is pretty hard, basically, on the media and on the feds. It's really saying that. Yeah. In a world where we're supposed to trust certain things, we've lost it. You know, that was 1996. Things are worse now. Well, and I think uh, it's important to realize that they just got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And they were in such a rush to try and save the Olympics that had really, this was only the second day, I think, of the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was really driving it. And I don't want to paint it with too broad a brush because, look, more than ever, we need the truth from the press. Mm-hmm. More than ever, we need the truth from the FBI, um, you know, uh, the government. We depend on those institutions. So that was very specific to this case. And I hope people uh, don't feel that we're just trying to malign those institutions. What does Clint do when, after a take, he's happy with it? Well, this is what I love know? about him, and, and I didn't realize this, is that he just lets the camera keep going, and we just keep going. Uh, the scene may be done, I mean, our lines may be done, but we just keep improvising and just continuing to live in that situation, and he gets a lot of great stuff that he can use, and it's also an opportunity for us to have more time together you know, to experience the characters mm-hmm. together, especially nowadays when you don't have rehearsal time. Mm-hmm. You have your, as my friend Jessica Tandy, got re- God rest her, used to say, your kitchen work, you know? <laughs> nowadays you have to do your kitchen, kitchen work, work in your kitchen, kitchen, you know, at home alone. So it's great to have that with Kitchen Clint. work. Well, when, he was, when Clint was here last, he was saying that he hates movies where uh, the director will say, action, you know, because he said... I'm really quiet about it. I just go, go when go, you're ready. You know, yeah, when you're ready, just do something. I also heard about, I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, was when he was doing the spaghetti westerns and they would scream, action, the horses would get all, you <laughs> so know. You don't want to scare the no. horses. And you also don't in TV, you know, it's just all so crazy. And I think that's when he, he developed his style. He thought, you know, wait a minute, everybody's just rushing and, and getting it wrong and rushing and getting it wrong again. And he just wanted to keep it real simple. He says, when you're ready, People are going like this. 
And I remember the first time I had a quick scene where I was running downstairs and I ran into the sound guy who I really liked. And I was trying to speak French to him. And he said, and I thought, I thought the scene was over, you know, and then that's when I realized it's not over till it's over, over. you know, so. <laughs> Until he says it's yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I think we've got it, yeah. He well, also has, can I just say, sure. he has an amazing cameraman, Stephen Campanelli. He's mm-hmm. been with him for 25 years, like many of the people on the crew. It's like a family. And he just knows how to tell that story with the camera. You know, one of my favorite shots, and Clint's too, is when, when the FBI are there and you see... Richard putting his blue gloves on and we've been telling him and telling him not to help the police. And then it pans over to Sam and I just standing there looking at him like, he's never going to stop, you know, and she just wants to throttle him. (laughs) But whatever he's doing, he's doing great. Oh, I know. He's 89 now. Yeah. You know? And still sexy as hell. Hell. There you go. See, I'm you not that kidding. Clip? Yeah, he is. He is sexy. I'm telling yeah. you. Imagine what it'll be like when he's ninety. <laughs> like good wine. Like good wine. <laughs> Everything is perfect to do. Well, you you've worked with so many people. You know, I, Mike Nichols in Primary Colors. He's somebody I miss tremendously, no, me just too. because he's not only a great director, but he's just one of the smartest, most fun people that ever lived on this earth to yeah, do that. I agree. I remember I was at an awards thing. I think it was the Emmys and, and I lost, you know, and like about half an hour later, I get this text from Mike mm-hmm. saying, you're among one of my favorite actors I've ever worked with. And I thought, well, that's it, dude. <laughs> I know. It's like how lovely of him to do that mm-hmm. at that moment. It is. But he was right. You know? (laughs) Well, he was. Well, it was one of the high points of my life to work with him and with that cast. And yet you had, I mean, your Oscar movie, uh, Misery, where I'm looking at you and I could still hear Annie Wilkes saying, he didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. He didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car! Right. (laughs) He didn't do that. And yet, to me, in terms of the Stephen King when you did Dolores Claiborne like four or five years later, that was just as good. I know. Tony Gilroy adapted that mm-hmm. from a novella mm-hmm. that Stephen wrote. And I wish we I wish the film had gotten more attention that year. But I well, think Well people go watch it now. Yeah, go watch it yeah, now. After we're finished. It's it's a great cast. You know, Christopher Plummer and Jennifer Jason Lee and Taylor Hackford did mm-hmm. an amazing job. And talk about lead time, that's what I'm saying. He understands what actors need and because I had to play a woman in different points of her life Mm -hmm. uh, I had amazing makeup and hair and dialogue and all of that so I had all the tools at my disposal and that's why I wish people would see it because I'm very proud of that too. Well that's there's so much I mean it's an incredible career I remember seeing you for the first time on stage in Vanity so that was. Oh you did not. Oh I did I was four years old but I (laughs) loved it it was great. Thank you. Yeah it was great so how are you feeling now about your life and career? I'm feeling well. Um, I was sick with breast cancer in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a double mastectomy, and they removed God. lymph nodes. And in my case, the lymph fluid built up in my arms. And um, I had seen my mother go through this, but I didn't know what it oh, was. So it was in your family. Yep. And um, I went to a doctor who helped me with manual lymph drainage and a pump, and I had to go several lymphedema, times a week. Lymphedema, that's called. It's called lymphedema. 
10 million Americans suffer from lymphedema, and that's more than ALS, muscular dystrophy, MS, uh, Alzheimer's, and AIDS. It's horrible. Parkinson's and AIDS, excuse me. And you're a spokesman for it. I am a spokesperson for it, and it's... So if you ask me how I'm doing, it's a perfect balance in my life. I've got this career that I still feel strong in, and then I've got the opportunity to live in the real world. We've worked with the NIH. The CDC now has a video of me talking about lymphedema Mm -hmm. on their cancer website, which is something we really fought hard for. And in New York, uh, we passed a bill so that it's mandatory for clinics and hospitals to provide information to cancer patients. Uh, because any time the lymph system is damaged, people are at risk. And the what sad happens, it, though? Is it like a swelling of the... Yes, if the, lymph, if the lymph system backs up, the legs or the arms swell. Doctors spend, in four years of medical school, 15 minutes on the entire lymphatic system. Oh, what is that about? 10 million and they do 15 minutes? And so if you go to your GP and you've got a problem, he'll say, well, go home and eat salads and... Unfortunately, it's progressive and incurable, and many people can't afford to doctor shop, so they go for years without getting help. In fact, I met Sam Rockwell's uh, uncle, and his mom had a swollen arm and didn't know what it was. And they you saw, diagnosed it? Yeah. I, he, she saw one of the programs that I've been able to do, and she got to a doctor and got treatment, and she's well, better. What do you do when it's incurable? There's not much we can do except for you go for manual lymph drainage and then they put so you in one of those arm. pumps. It's in both my arms. arms. And here's the thing, too, is that you get an infection often called cellulitis, a bacterial infection that mm-hmm. has to be treated with antibiotics. And if you don't, then you could go into sepsis and occasionally people do die from it. Well, good for you for going out there. And, uh, you know, I was pissed that I had breast cancer and lymphedema. No kidding. And now I'm what? actually happy because I can do something in the real world that means something, that can help people. When Chris told me that last night, I was like, this is the best day of my life, you know, to, to understand that I really helped someone because you don't always get that feedback. I think it's very rare where that happens. Also, you were able to listen and say, could be this, and lead. Oh, well, he didn't know me. He, well, I, that's what I mean, but you were introduced, and you could see it and yeah. say something, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Which is, so, yes, when you get a, di- a cancer diagnosis, it has to do something to you. It has. Yeah, well, at that particular summer was hard because my show, Harry's Law, had just been canceled. And that was a mistake. Yes, people. and it was a gut punch, mm-hmm. and... Um, I wish that NBC had taken, you know, better, had focused on our show more. And um, so then I discovered I had breast cancer. And Peter, I swear to you that that moment I thought my career was over. And um, then God bless Ryan Murphy. He came along and my friend Jessica Lang and um, he changed my life. He opened my third act with a bang, you know. He said, come on, American Horror Show. Yeah. All right, I have to let you go. But this is the first time you've been on this show. Yes, so it is. I hope it's not the last. Oh, please. Come back with Bobby. You know, oh, tomorrow. that would be great. The, we end in song. <clears throat> and you're a musician. Well, way back when. Well, it's not. I don't care when it was. Okay. <laughs> Once a person sings, okay. they sing. Even okay. Clint. He did a great I Can't Get Started With You. Really? Here. Yes. But... 
I'm just not looking for a full song, just a little bit of okay. some song that means oh, me something think. to you. Um, I'd have to say, uh, they're singing songs of love, but not for me. And I think that's all the lyrics I, know. I remember now. <laughs> I was a singing waitress in the Catskills. Well, see, that's a whole other show. <laughs> I know. We're, Tell me about it. When you it. come back, we're going to begin in the cat's cave. Absolutely. And see what other jobs that you took. All right. Uh, that led you to all of this. But, Kathy, you're a delight always. Thank you, so, Peter. So, so are you. Here. I just adore see, you. See, so we're great together. We are. So we should just take this on the road. We should. <laughs> we should. Just make sure we you have a that? popcorn machine. No, they won't let me take it out of the building. <laughs> if they're serious about that stuff. We could distract. We could do so much. <laughs>